0: That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, Mass Effect in my house. Level of violence on video games. It might be hazardous to physical and mental
1: health. Pokemon World is a world of the demonic. And
2: then there's the argument that video games can be art.
1: They're a world phenomenon.
2: Hey, welcome to Hit Point Pals. This is episode 13 of the podcast where we discuss games we've been playing. We d- try to dive into the week in gaming news sometimes, probably not today though actually, and we talk about the games we enjoy. I'm Travis Lean. I'm joined today by a couple of my friends, Rebecca Markley. Hi. And Cam Call. Hey, how's it going? Uh, William and Caleb are not here this week, but they will be back next week. Um, But today, we're just going to talk about some of the games we've been playing. And I think uh, just as far as getting people uh, introduced to you guys, um, would you like to talk a little bit about the D&D that you guys uh, are involved in
1: yeah so i know tomorrow i'm actually running a one shot for a group of people who are mostly new players um and so uh cam and i decided to do things a little bit differently when we kind of like set up the game and you know plan for the the session um wanted to have people like choose pre-created characters just because character creation can take so long (laughs) and so um I don't know the past couple of days we've just spent a ton of time like creating a bunch of different characters of different classes and races and it was just kind of fun to see i guess like to build characters that i've, I've never played before and just kind of like learn more of about like what all of they all the things that they can do and stuff right
0: yeah it's interesting to sort of engage with the rules that way because when you're usually playing a longer term campaign you know you've got one character maybe two or three if you're unlucky and you die Uh, but you're really only playing one character so you don't create characters all that often really Mm -hmm. so you know just in the past couple days i myself have made something like four characters so it's it is an interesting way to kind of explore the rules a little bit
2: Right. What, here, why don't you tell me a little bit about just, like, what's what's going on in your D&D campaigns right now? Like, is there a, is there a long-term campaign that you're in the midst of right now, or, or, or other adventures or, or whatever?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there are. So Rebecca and I both run campaigns. So I run one just here in the house with our friends, and Rebecca mm. plays in that one. Yeah, that is uh, an official Wizards of the Coast module called Tomb of Annihilation. Oh, okay. Which is, uh, it's uh, sort of a callback to older D and D, which uh, I I knew that when I bought it, but I had only been playing for like a year when I bought it, so I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, It's it's a big dungeon at the end, the you know the eponymous tomb, and it's supposed to just be really. Brutal, you know, there's a lot of traps, a lot of really dangerous stuff. So, in my campaign, we're pretty close to the end by now, actually. So, the characters, you know, they spend the first probably half of the game exploring the jungle to where they finally find where the tomb is, which they have found and were able to enter. And so, there's, you know, several levels to the tomb. And I don't want to say too much because, you know, Rebecca is still a player. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything for her. But uh, yeah, we're we're getting pretty close. So they need to figure out how to get into that final level, which is where they are right now. So they've explored like two or three of the levels, and they're pretty close to getting into the final level, where they you know they have the final boss fight and everything. And that'll actually be for me uh, in any campaign the only time we've ever completed one.
1: Oh, I've played okay.
0: in yeah yeah I've played in a lot where you know people schedules don't work out or just things fall apart but uh never actually completed one playing but it's, or it's running.
2: usually due to uh, external conflicts and not everybody dying
0: yeah almost always because uh i mean it's easily the most difficult part of dungeons and dragons or any role-playing game for that matter is that you right. have to get you know four to eight people in the same room on the same day for up to, you know, like, four hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that is just so difficult. Like, we're in the middle of a a pretty long pause for my campaign for that reason right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially, like, hard with people's, like, work schedules constantly shifting, and so... Oh, yeah. um, Yeah, you know, just... I guess real life happening around us. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad, you know, that we started playing when we were adults. Because if I had played in high school or college, I feel like I would have had a much easier schedule to contend with, and you know, people <laughs> yeah. living nearby. Yeah. But you know, we all started after we all had full-time jobs, and
1: I mean, we played a little bit when you I was, I guess, when I was in school.
0: Yeah, yeah I had, I had, I had you graduated were a real college adult. before I even started.
2: Um, when I so i'll tell you a little bit about like the 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 little experience that i've really had with uh tabletop dnd at least is um when i had been working as a video producer for uh an esports group called impact gaming and so part of my job was to put together a lot just make sure we were doing a lot of uh video content for for the team and so in between like uh, like after the, uh, the, the split, uh, of, 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 comp- of competitive events, when there was a bunch of, of downtime, um, we kind of had to come up with, we kind of had to, like, brainstorm ideas for lifestyle content, and I had seen, uh, another organization actually do, uh, a, a little D&D video, and so I thought that'd be, uh, fun to do, and then it turned out being, you know, like, I expected it to be a good amount of work to 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 put together a D and d campaign even with like some some pre-built stuff like a starter kit and stuff. but i wasn't really prepared for the vast amount of um i just really i just really underestimated what what i had to 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 put into that and my biggest challenge with with this group of um of pr- pro gamers who had never played d and d before was i mean they were familiar with like the the game concept of course because they had played video games but a lot of them surprisingly weren't even super familiar with like rpgs and i guess that's due to like their games aren't rpgs their games are are shooters so a lot of these things were were foreign concepts to a lot of these people like attributes and strength and perception and such um but my biggest challenge really really was like yeah yeah uh my biggest challenge was just kind of trying to get them to (laughs) to follow the uh campaign because when they would veer off I would just kind of panic and not really know what to do (laughs) oh yeah
0: that's that's a classic DM (laughs) issue I mean yeah it's especially with all new players you know you kind of the the selling point for D&D or any any kind of fantasy game like that is like you can do anything you know you're not limited Mm -hmm. to you know, a map or just a set of options. It's literally, like, if you can imagine it, you can at least attempt it. And so, you know, a lot of people, they really do run with that into just some pretty, frankly, stupid lengths. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) it it can be difficult if you have an idea of where you want things to go. And especially something like if you're running from the starter kit, you know, that's a pre-planned adventure. Yeah. And, I mean, we're even guilty of doing that in games that we've played. And, like, we weren't even trying to. We just decided it would be a really good idea to leave the main city that our friend had built Mm in this campaign world that he had designed, and he had nothing planned outside of that city. (laughs) And within two sessions, we we just decided to leave because we, like... Well, we just, like, you know, a plan went sideways, and we killed a guy.
1: Yeah. We and killed a lot of people. We were, like, Uh-oh. at least two people. And we, like, that... burned the, like, the the embassy. It yeah. was, like, on fire, oh, and no. we were just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we,
0: we were dealing with, like, some incursion in there, but then, like, a guy who was, I think he was our boss. It's been a while since this happened, but he, I, I'm pretty sure he was our boss. He, he was collateral, and the, I don't remember why we... Maybe we didn't burn the building, but we definitely let it burn. We uh-huh. didn't stop it from burning, but that yeah. so that was that was good. And then
1: another time, um, it was early on in our sort of like D and D experience when we started playing this one game, and all of a sudden we found ourselves in the underdark, and so like the oh, whole okay. campaign just got like totally I don't know blown off course. Like we're in not even like where we were supposed to be and like none of our characters were even remotely prepared for underdark sort of games and so we, it was just a, it was a big disaster but it was pretty fun because you know just came out of like left field and um luckily our dm was really experienced and was just like come on guys why'd you do that and you we were <laughs> like haha but he was able to just sort of like go with it and
0: yeah in fact he switched books It was basically what ended up happening. We were running from one of the more recent releases at that time. And then, you know, we got sucked into the Underdark. And so we started playing an older book (laughs) that takes place in the Underdark.
1: But, yeah, so that does happen a lot. to Just, like, completely off course. You should talk
0: about your campaigns, though.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I, I mean, I feel like most of my players are pretty... Not really timid, but they really like engaging with the world that I have presented in front of them. Okay, um, and so they're like all—they're all really motivated players, which is really cool. I don't have to like try very hard to like get them to care about what they're supposed to be doing. They're just like, okay, yeah, let's do it, um, and they just sort of like eat up all of the campaign hooks, which is, you know, frankly makes my job really easy. Um, but they. Um, sort of got ahead of themselves a little bit um a little in in i'm running um dragon deep water heist which is a newer um deep
0: water deep dragon,
1: heist. <laughs> water deep dragon heist. <laughs> <laughs> i do that all the time get the name all confused um yeah well they got a little ahead of themselves in the story and so they're kind of a little under prepared going into the boss fight which Oh, well, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see how that happens, just because, you know, whatever. They'll right. probably, you know, die, but it'll be fun.
2: <laughs> is, uh, so you haven't really run into any issues of people veering off course in this particular group?
1: Yeah, not in anything that I've run, which is, I guess, yeah, a relief yeah don't have to do any sort of like wild inventing just like oh okay we still have like three hours of game time left you know like right
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. and in my campaign we i only have one player really who's the instigator is like (laughs) i guess putting his archetype lightly kind of as a player um but Nobody's really tried to derail the campaign, but my secret is that you can't derail my campaign because there is actually only one option. Like, I make it sound like it's this open world in front of you, but really, no matter what, uh, it's it's going to be, like, one of two things that I have planned. Mm-hmm. But but as long as your players don't know that, you know? It, they right, think that it's right. all open world and that I'm this genius that has the whole world in my pocket when, really, you're going to meet the same person regardless of what building you go into you're gonna meet the person i have prepped which is maybe you know bad form people don't like that but they only they only don't like it if they know it's happening
1: yeah and i feel like whatever works and if you like have some like important things that they like they like need to get done then
0: yeah and it's great now because they're just trapped in a hole in the ground and there's nowhere (laughs) for them to go
1: yeah and it sucks oh no (laughs) how did that happen Oh, we're just in the dungeon and we can't oh, leave. Oh, okay. Yeah, so
0: yeah. it's okay. this really just punishing dungeon. And it's like, you know, the door seals behind you. And like, you're the only way out is through.
1: Yeah. Because magic and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: But uh, the most interesting thing to me about Rebecca's campaigns is that they're, it's all women. Because uh-huh. Rebecca's running it and it's only women playing.
1: Yeah. It's, like, it's interesting. It's
0: so, it's, yeah, it's really interesting to just compare the dynamic of our games uh what i usually kind of what i how i think about it is she's got she's dealing with a higher kind of caliber of person and player not to be like a i don't know (laughs) not to sound like a race realist or something about it uh it's all you know multi-ethnic and everything so (laughs) <laughs> but uh because she's playing at this at your co-working space well i guess you can talk about the co-working space
1: yeah so i'm i run two games at my co-working space both and it's a co-working space that's like just women because it's okay. like a social club too and so um yeah one of the groups is like pretty nerdy they've all played um most of them have already played either earlier editions of D D or pathfinder or um call of cthulhu or you know Mm -hmm. something similar like that whereas the other group they're just like entirely new players and they um i feel like they are they have the the hardest time kind of like getting into the game because they're not really sure how to role play or like how their character works and so that's just been kind of fun to just be like oh do whatever and they're just like can i do this you know stupid thing and like yeah you can do that that's totally fine um But as far as, like, dynamics between, you know, being a player in Cam's game, where I am the only, like, woman-identifying person there, and then, you know, just, I guess, running a game for all women, it's just kind of, like, funny how when I play, when I guess when I'm running for the Purline, Everyone's just like so kind and considerate, like no one ever talks over each other. There's like not a lot of bickering that happens. They buy you dinner? They Hmm. buy me dinner. Like I've never ever had to buy myself dinner. They're always just Uh like, oh yeah, we're gonna get Thai food delivered. Rebecca, what do you want? I'm like, oh, Pad Thai. And they're like, great. (laughs) And it's awesome. And they always bring snacks, always. Everyone always brings a bottle of wine. We always have way too much. It's great. Um, and then just organizing and kind of getting people to remember to come and to show up on time is really easy. It's just,
0: yeah. yeah not, it's know, plan things in advance that are going to conflict with this, you know, regular <laughs> bi-weekly thing we have planned, which you know, frustrates me to no end because, <laughs> you know, I'll prepare for a session sometimes and somebody will be like, oh yeah, I'm out of town. I'm visiting my family. Right. Or I'm, not to discourage people visiting their families, of course, <laughs> but... It's just like you know we do this every you know every other week. Like you, you could (laughs) at the same time you
2: know let us know earlier or something.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, And even outside of the gender dynamic, going back to Rebecca's and Maya games and the difference between the two, it's also it's so obvious that you know Rebecca is playing with these really like smart driven you know professional women Mm -hmm. that and they are all just like really self actualized and they've got. They just you know they've got things figured out a lot more than just you know us and our friends do
1: are they making Everyone... are they making better decisions in game i mean i don't i don't think so i feel like they they sort of just make decisions based on like whims but i feel like they're more invested in their like characters oh,
2: okay so it's more you know, of I feel just, like, they... like the, the 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 dynamic between all of these people
1: yeah and i feel like they are i don't know they all like bought the player's handbook. I didn't need to have, to, I didn't have to ask them. They all just like showed up and they were like, oh yeah, we, we bought our player's handbook and we got oh, our, okay. all of our own minis. And like we, yeah. you know, <laughs> and like we bought our dice. Like no one has ever has to like borrow my dice, which right. is funny. We have one player in, in Cam's game who has, <laughs> we play, we play for like two years oh, now. Oh yeah,
0: it's it's been, I think just short of two years since, you know, my game started. Is this so, the, like, this is a
2: 2 year long campaign or just Yeah.
0: Yeah, we, yeah, oh, yeah wow. we've been playing okay. Tomb we, of
1: Annihilation. For yeah, two we years. started
0: yeah, Tomb of Annihilation. It's been the same game, the same, you know, continuous thing. And you know, we don't played super often. We would have been done a long time ago if we uh-huh. played more regularly, but even so, it's like this is a thing that's been happening in our lives collectively yeah. for, you know, whatever it's been, like 22 months or something. And it's like this guy this one guy, basically, just still doesn't really know the rules that well. Doesn't have a handbook.
1: Doesn't have his own dice.
0: Yeah. So, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I gave up being upset about it, well, like I used to be. I used to really get under my skin. But uh, I think I've just come to peace with the fact that, like, he he's not there to play d d He's there to just hang out and see his friends. He used to live in the same apartment complex as us, and we'd hang out a lot. And he, like, he moved across town, so, like, we pretty much only see him for D&D. So, like, what he gets out of it is, you know, he gets a fun social aspect, you know, with with these people who he's friends with that he doesn't get to see very often. Whereas, you know, the rest of us, we still live in the same part of town for the most part, so we actually do hang out outside of D&D. And it's just, like, it's so hard to coordinate with this other guy that I'm just willing to give him a lot more room in that sense, because it's, like... You know, I don't want to get on his case about this sort of stuff when he's just, he's really not there to play. He's there to just hang out.
1: I think that is a one cool thing about D&D versus, I guess, video games. Um, I guess, I don't know. I've never really played online with other other players, (laughs) but I really like this, the whole like social gathering, like social ritual of like sitting down at a table. You all have like your scraps of paper and your miniatures and like your dice in your hand and it's I don't know it's so much more than just like playing a game it's it's a lot more about like hanging out and then there's like the whole like storytelling aspect and like you never really know what's gonna happen next um that that makes makes it so much I guess more exciting to me
2: Mm -hmm. what's I I, what's interesting is that um kind of the the whole fantasy and uh, number crunching and dice rolling aspect of, of D&D, but also like the aspect of having real people there and, and friends who gather around and play it, and the RPG like genre from D&D has of course been adopted into video games, but all of the RPG video games basically are centered around a single player experience. Mm -hmm. So you get really old games like Baldur's Gate that is just kind of, it's D&D as a video game, but it's designed for a single person to play it and have all of the D&D stuff automated and go through with AI companions and stuff. Um, you can actually play, uh, Baldur's Gate online now, but I don't know if that was there originally. Um, it's just like most of the big RPGs, you know, like, like Fallout or like the Elder Scrolls series or anything basically is made around a single player experience, So I find that interesting just because it came from a tabletop game that was very much something that you had to experience with other people and that's something I've talked about with with Will a lot is we've we're always looking for good co-op games and it's just a, a strange aspect of the video game genre and I think it has to do a lot with technical capabilities and web coding and stuff that there's just not really all that many options for cooperative RPG stuff and there's been projects like i th- there's this uh, weird tumultuous now project uh, skyrim together that has it's now under fire for all this controversy but um the inception of this project was just to mod skyrim so that people could play it together online and it's like that that that's the type of game that i i kind i sometimes i find myself saying like i wish there were more like cooperative rpgs that you could play with people online Mm -hmm. um a really good example from the past couple years is the uh the couple divinity original sin games which are these top-down isometric rpgs that you can you can play with one other person um so so that's a little similar um the the one thing that we have the one game that we we really know of that we've played um that has support for up to eight players actually is this really obscure RPG called... It's a fantasy RPG called Dungeon Lords that is really broken and shitty. And (laughs) the story is pretty terrible and, like, the gameplay is god-awful, but it's also, like, the only 3D fantasy RPG with an online co-op element for a group of players that we've ever come across. It is a bizarre game. We've never beaten it because we would get to certain points... On multiple occasions, we have tried to... um, get to the- we, like we've sat down and gone like, yeah, we're gonna push through this, we're gonna get past the bugs, we're, we're gonna make it to the end <laughs> this time, we're gonna find out what the hell happened with like Lord Elwin's daughter or whatever. um All these crummy characters who don't make any sense, and then we would run into separate game-breaking like bugs that would prevent us from continuing and getting to the end of the game. Like, oh, no. the, <laughs> there was one where, like, it's it's dumb because the game gives you, like, different objectives you can do in whatever order, and then we got stuck, and when we went online, we, it turned out the reason we got stuck was because we did things in an order the game wasn't expecting us to be, be able to, but we did, and then this lizard guy wouldn't fucking talk to us because, like, he didn't register that we had picked up items or something because we just did it in an order that the game didn't think we were going to, so... We love and hate that game just because it, it exists and it has kind of been the bane of our existence. Um, so I just, <laughs> to me, it's 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 super interesting how th- there's kind of a, there's there's that disconnect between uh, video games and, and tabletop games where they're, they're, they share a lot of these elements, but they're very different experiences. And I haven't seen them really blend a- as much as I c- kind of imagine they might be able to. I'm
0: trying to envision what this game looks like. So it's like a three D like first person RPG. Yeah, it's a three
2: three it... D third person RPG. So you've you've got your guy, and there's like a camera kind of like behind and and a little bit up above his head, and you just run around, and you click to like swing your sword, and you like right click to block, and uh, it's it's the uh, the design is is pretty weird. Like you you go into this starting city, and it's like. It, it's a lot of, like, game, like, limitations, I, I think, both from the time this was made, which I think was, like, 2006 or something, and also, like, it's it seems like it was made on a pretty low budget by, like, a pretty inexperienced developer, too. Like, it doesn't look like garbage, but it, it has a lot of fundamental issues. Like, for, for instance, we'll be walking through, like, the forest, and most games, uh, most RPGs ha- know how to, like... Subtly introduce and uh, like an encounter um, by by having like enemies spawn off screen or whatever. This game just kind of freezes your system for a few seconds, and then when it unfreezes, there's a bunch of enemies around you. <laughs> so it's really no. it's really buggy. Uh, aside from like aside from like story breaking bugs, there's also those technical bugs, um, and somehow you can still play it. There's also like really um really overtly unfinished areas like the first town is pretty detailed and has all these shops and stuff and then they talk about how how you need to get to this second town like the elf town and you get there and it's like someone just like dumped a couple buildings on the map and called it good but it's but it's <laughs> talked about like it's talked about in in game dialogue like it's this big city but it's it's just it's not it's like you lied
1: <laughs> wow yeah um, I know a couple of years ago when I was home for, like, Christmas break, when I was in college, my brother and I, I guess in Cam too, we yeah. all spent, like, the whole, like, month off that we had just, like, playing Skyrim or Elder Scrolls. Yeah, were, um, just around
0: the same table in our own games. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But it was, like, you know, many hours It was, a day. It was like,
1: hours and hours and hours a day that we just sort of sat around the kitchen table all playing in our own games and just being like oh what are you doing right now and then you know just like tell them right I like, go oh, I'm
0: yeah I forgot about that that was fun yeah,
1: yeah it was I mean,
2: fun I have a, a lot of uh fond memories of, of Skyrim and the other eldest girls games and I it's it's a it's a bit crazy i think that that game was released like back in 2012 and doesn't feel like that long ago um and there is a the, the sixth sixth game is supposed to come out at some point um within the next couple of years and i imagine that'll be really exciting um another thing that kind of took me back to the elder scrolls was this mobile game that they released uh last month the uh the uh, elder scrolls blades um, oh yeah
0: yeah I heard about that
2: yeah and I mean I, I've enjoyed it I think it's like it's still it's it's a mobile game so it has like shitty mobile game stuff like it's not <laughs> like someone took Skyrim and put it on your phone it's like there's like treasure chests that you have to wait hours to open and stuff like that um, yeah. and there's That's idle like- elements but it it's still there's some pretty impressive stuff like there's fully 3D like first person dungeon crawling and stuff and there's a like a rudimentary mobile uh, combat system like uh, on, on the like, in the in the grand scheme of, like, mobile games, I think it's pretty impressive, at least technically. And it does have that, like, uh, it, it does have that whole, like, Elder Scrolls vibe. Like, it's very clearly an Elder Scrolls game. It's not like a shitty mobile game that they slapped their, like, seal on. It's like, this is actually, it feels like an Elder Scrolls game, so that's, that's really neat. It's, like, <laughs> just one small thing, I guess, is, like, y- you hear the Elder Scrolls theme, and it's, like, a new arrangement and all, but it's like, wow, like here it is it's an elder scrolls game it's on my phone like it's not it's not a full entry but it's it's something it's cool it's uh it's the first elder scrolls thing that has been around uh you know in a while unless you count every single skyrim port but i I don't
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah i mean do people actually play that mmo that they made oh shit like i know yeah, that exists but like man i hear about it every maybe like two or three months and i'm just like every time it's like the first time i'm hearing about it i'm just like oh yeah that that's been out for a while
2: yeah it's funny I think, like it, it every actually, so
0: often it, i'll it, even i'll see like a trailer for a new expansion
2: yeah i am going really gonna excited because i think <laughs> it's
0: a new game right they <laughs> but keep but coming not... out
2: with with content it's still it's regularly updated there's a, a pretty big player base i believe still um and i've tried it a few times it's a i Actually, it's it's funny you mentioned. I even downloaded it the other day with the intention of uh, of trying to jump back in and just exploring a little bit. But it's like every time I, I go into that game, I, I spend a few minutes in it or, or an hour or so, and I I like I remember why I don't like this game because it's just so much MMO garbage stuff that like. I, I, it's not the experience that I, that I'm looking for in an Elder Scrolls game. It's unfortunate because the world is, is beautiful and it's so cool to be able to go to all these different parts of Tamriel in one game and they're all pretty detailed and it's, it's all very, um, it's very faithful to like the regular Elder Scrolls games, even though it's made by like another company. But, um, but yeah, it's still, it's like, it's the grind of the MMO. It's the, it's the grind of the live service of the of the game, like service live service game, and it's just not it's not what I'm looking for. Um it's cool for like screenshots, I guess, if that's any any consolation, but I'm just Those I'm not an MMO there person. There's some good looking so. screenshots. Oh absolutely, yeah. I've and been really impressed. There's some interesting stuff with like especially the the part that interests me most is like getting to see regions that haven't really been in an Elder Scrolls game, or at least not in a modern Elder Scrolls game. So you kind of get to see at least this company's uh, imagine uh, imagining of like what, for instance, like elsewhere, like the land of the khajiits looks like, and like what sort of cultural influences they have and stuff, and um, seeing like a modern iteration of Hammerfell, which is like the Redguard region, where it's like the it's like this weird like sub-Saharan Middle Eastern inspired region that hasn't been in these games since Daggerfall, which is Daggerfall is pretty basic rudimentary graphics at that point so so seeing a, a like a modern iteration of that region uh in this game is is really interesting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. other games other games that people have been playing rebecca you wrote uh stillness of the wind here
1: yeah um so i actually bought that game like a long time ago like several months ago mm-hmm. i guess that's not that long ago but i bought it because it looked really pretty i was like oh I'll probably want to play that um, sometime. And so um, when I was prepping for my colonoscopy on Friday, I <laughs> had a lot of downtime mm-hmm. and I wanted to play like a game that was not super intense. Cause I was, you know, not very, I wasn't in a very good mood. And um, so I just started playing it and it was really, it was really fun. I think it's, it's so pretty. Um, it's all very like watercolory almost. Um, the graphics and um i didn't really i only put in i think maybe like a hundred minutes total so like the story didn't really get started that much but um i like the sort of you do the same thing every day because like you're like this little old woman on a little goat farm and you like Mm -hmm. go you know milk the goats and make cheese and trade with the trader who comes every day although i'm really bad at remembering the <laughs> trader and so i <laughs> yeah, ran out of like hay a couple of times and so that was kind of worrisome i didn't want my little goats to die but yeah so
2: is it kind of like a is it kind of like a take on the Sort of farming genre, I guess, of like Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley, maybe?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's a sequel to another game that's mostly about the goat farming. But this one is, when I like read the description, it was about um, like this old woman. And so like the story progresses and it's kind of like about like loss as she like mm-hmm. sort of exper- like reads letters from her family that have like moved away. Um, the, some of the letters are really weird.
2: I well, I was gonna mention that the the other game I I think it was called Where the Goats Are or Where the Goats Were or something, <laughs> something <laughs> because
1: like that. I, yeah. I played
2: it a while back because it was available for free and mm-hmm. it was like a it was a nice like sub two hours I think experience of just it sounds like it sounds very similar to what you're describing though where you're an old woman and you have a farm and you have goats.
1: <laughs> and it's very
2: pretty um yeah so i guess i'd be interested to know what's what's different or if it's like a retread what what sort of additions there are that, that make this its own game
1: because um, even like
2: the the traitor is even in that game too so like i, uh-huh. I almost thought you were describing this other game
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't know i feel like i i guess i'd have to go maybe like read more about like the the game that came before it but this one i feel like everyone's like oh yeah it talks about like loss and suffering and death and it's like okay great um it it sort of reminds me of like a still life almost like some of like the art in Mm -hmm. like the um in the game and you know just i thought that was an interesting kind of inspiration i have no idea if that's actually true but it just reminded me of like you know, classical paintings, but
2: yeah, I mean the, the other game, the, the, where the goats are, I think <laughs> it, I, I know it's what I remember. It was just kind of a, uh, it, it was just kind of framed on, on your farm. Um, mm-hmm. and th- so there wasn't any like camera motion or anything. So I, I can see how that you could compare that definitely to a, a still life where you're just, you, you've got a certain thing in your frame and that's what you have to uh, look at.
1: There is a little bit of camera movement. Like you can sort of like click and like she walks very, very slowly over (laughs) to the point where you've clicked. And then Uh the camera will kind of like travel a little bit with you. But it's still sort of like limited to this like very specific space. And it's almost like you get to like zoom in on like different parts. But the perspective doesn't really change that much. Right. And like you can't go see like the other side of the building. It's all just like very two-dimensional. Um.
2: There's a there's a lot of games I feel like that share this this look and I I don't know if other people call it this I kind of call it the the Unity look because it's this Unity engine that's free and open source and people make a lot of similar looking games in mm-hmm. it that are all very pretty and they have this kind of flat minimalistic graphic style it, instead of going photoreal like a AAA mm-hmm. game it just goes very very stylized and and simple and pretty. And a lot of them tend to be these really short, uh, like whimsical experiences. There's like I, I, there's mobile games that look that look and play like this, and there's a PC like platform and PC games that that look and play like this. And uh, I I find them very very enjoyable. Um, especially, it's it's a it's also a, a good break from like a AAA game that wants you to play it for like sixty hours, which is a bit absurd, I think, in most cases. Um, mm-hmm. and there's a, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a nice Twitter account that I, that I follow that I like, I, I believe it's called Wholesome Games, and they just kind of tweet a, a, just an endless stream of games that are in this vein, and I've seen, I, I've played some really good games off of their recommendations. Um.
1: Oh, I'll have to check that out. That sounds yeah, sa- I like Wholesome Games.
2: Right. It sounds like the, the, the type of game that would show up on, on the Wholesome Games feed. Uh, mm-hmm. It probably has at some point. Um,
1: stuff well, like, maybe uh, not
0: if it's all about, uh, like, your family moving away. Yeah, oh, that's, that's true. It's,
1: it's pretty heavy. Um, yeah. You know, like, she talks about, like, oh, missing her family and, like, oh, them kind of, like, not really being happy and their, like, their letters kind of being sad. And she's just like, oh, man, I'm going to do the same thing <laughs> over and over again. Um, so, so. Yeah, I don't so, know. So if it's a,
2: it's a, if it's like a a constant stream of of um, of stuff that is kind of a bummer, like wh- where where do you find the the value in this game?
1: I mean, I was also in a bummer mood, so maybe uh-huh. that's where I was just sort of like, you know, I'm gonna listen to sad music right now because I'm right. sad. Um, but I, I guess I'm kind of excited to finish it, and then maybe probably go back and replay it when I'm not like. Starving, Mm -hmm. and um, on like super laxatives or anything like that. Um, Right. So
0: stillness of the wind,
1: right? Yeah, stillness of the wind. Okay.
0: And I can say, just you know, doing my own thing, but usually next to Rebecca while she's playing this. (laughs) The the visual style is really nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, i would I would catch myself just sort of glancing, sort of entranced at the screen, just like watching this old like hunched woman shuffle around.
1: Walking so slowly.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I could like, I mean, I don't actually know what the music sounds like because I haven't heard it, but I could, I feel like I can imagine it when I watch her play. So it's at least, you know, really interesting, like evocative style. Mm -hmm. So I could see that being a pretty big draw, at least for some people.
2: Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, uh let me let me give you a quick recommendation without going too much into it. Um I there's a game that that I think you might like that I played a while about called uh Far From Noise. And it's like a, a like a 2 hour experience. I I think that plays kind of like a like an interactive film, but it's all about it's this it's the same like unity really pretty indie art style where you mm-hmm. you're just kind of a guy who has uh, are you a guy? I don't know. You might be genderless, but you're, you're someone who has gotten their car stuck on the edge of a cliff, and it's just kind of a, not really a comedy of errors, but it's like a series of, of events that occur, and you kind of just pick dialogue and interact with stuff in the environment and with yourself, and it's just, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a very, like, whimsical and thoughtful, uh, experience, and, kind of these like ruminations on, on life and, and stuff. It's it's something that I, I enjoyed and I enjoyed it both for its art style and for its themes and stuff. And it, it feels, a bit, I, I think that game is probably something that's a bit similar to like whatever the name of that goats game was that I played, <laughs> Go, Goats in the Wild, End of the Goats, I don't remember. Um,
1: I, I have no idea.
2: <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, far far from noise If if that's something that you find yourself uh, if you find yourself looking for another similar game at any point, that's one that I enjoyed that you might like.
1: Yeah, I'll check it out.
2: And then um, another game that I actually happened to, to play this week that's kind of that same. Uh, pre- it's it's pretty. It's nice. It's got nice music. It's just kind of uh, peaceful. It's called Islanders, and it it's kind of it's like a city building sort of game, but it's mostly a like a puzzle game. So imagine like. If you were playing Tetris, but instead of putting pieces into place, it's putting buildings into place on like a on a limited amount of space on a small island. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the gist of of that game. And I've always liked city management games like SimCity or City Skylines. And this is kind of that same um it's it's almost like a it's a puzzle game that's I feel like it's like disguised as a city management game, like, you kind of, I kind of went into it expecting it to, I went out, I went into it on the recommendation of like a whole bunch of people who had reviewed this game and said it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really look into it too much, I just kind of was like, I trust you guys, and I like city <laughs> games, so I'm gonna play it. And it turned out to not actually be any sort of city management, really. Um, it's just kind of like, and, and this isn't a bad thing, it just wasn't my expectation, um, you are given a, a limited, like, space of, of land to work with, and then the game kind of procedurally over time gives you uh, buildings to place on this island. And your job is to um, take into account different factors that are on the small island, like terrain, like sand or, like, grass, uh, fertile land, and, like, trees and rocks and stuff, and just kind of try to, like, min-max your stats. So you'll, like, try to place farms where you want the farms to go, and then other buildings like mills will provide bonuses for these and um your job is to just you you get these like you get these linear objectives so it's like you need to get 26 points to unlock the next set of buildings and if you don't you kind of just get a game over so as long as you like and it's not super hard it's just like as long as you're placing as long as you're being logical really about where you're placing your buildings you'll you'll continue for a while at least it does start Mm -hmm. to get pretty difficult as you progress to different islands and stuff um and it's even got some weird like almost like fantasy elements like there's one island you can get to pretty far and i i don't know how far how long this game goes on i always get a game over around like island five or six but once you get about five or six islands in you kind of you start to get these interesting like relics and like uh, like statues and stuff that looks almost alien, and there's no explanation for these things. They're just kind of these, these little whimsical details that that are there, and they're kind of fun, and they don't really seem to interact with your buildings. But it's it just like adds to this this interesting world of of Islanders where there's no functional city. It's just kind of buildings are placed together because they fit and because yeah. they give bonuses and stuff.
1: <laughs> That's fun. I really really love sort of like. When, I don't know, games, stories have, like, random, like, magical realism aspects to them. I don't know. I just think it's, like, so much fun because I wish that was real life. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wish when I was just driving to work or something, I would see (laughs) just some, like, unique event. Yeah. That's just, there's no context or explanation and you never see it again. Mm -hmm. Right,
1: right. But just, like, (laughs) I don't know, just sort of, like, weird, weird Magical fantasy shit just happening, but like has no real consequence to like your life. It's just like, oh, you know,
2: yeah, like, yeah, just randomly. Just, the, uh-huh. the wizards are hanging out and they're of no consequence to me, but I know they're there, maybe, yeah.
1: and they're doing something right now. And it's cool, I don't know,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for what it's worth, uh, Islanders was, was really nice. And then, um, the other game that I've really found myself digging into is uh a game called assassin's creed origins and this this, 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 i'm I'm someone who uh i i'm i've played all the assassin's creed games up until this point i it's a series that has a, a lot of fundamental problems and they're games that like i can't be like yeah i like these games or like i like i recommend these games but they they have just kind of this 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 draw to me of like i i love exploring these recreations of hi- historical places um like assassin's creed 2 really hooked me just with with how detailed it's it's uh it's like version of of renaissance italy was and just being able to run around in that world and then now seeing like a like a like a modern iteration cuz i had put these games on hold for a long time just cuz they're so long it took me forever to get through um, Unity, which is it takes place in Revolutionary France, and then uh, Syndicate, which takes place in like Industrial Revolution era London. Um, mm-hmm. And both of those games are just so long and so boring story-wise. The stories in these games have never, ever been good. And the gameplay has always been really clunky. Um, but my, my main problem with the series had always been like, the game spends too much time on this boring story and it doesn't give you enough like freedom and I I was really glad that like every issue basically that I had with the series up until this point seemed to have been resolved in Assassin's Creed Origins which is kind of like a like a soft reboot of the series where Mm -hmm. it seems like they've really like taken they they took a year off from these games they took a step back and they uh just kind of really reevaluated what they were doing they kept a lot of the fundamental elements of like exploring a historical location and being a super cool assassin and stuff but then they actually made it like very playable and up-to-date and I've really been enjoying it. I, I didn't play it when it released a couple years ago um, because I was kind of burnt out on the series but I'm I'm just now getting around to it and it's been really nice to get to run around in ancient Egypt on, like, a camel or whatever I can find, and, (laughs) um, we're (laughs) at the point in the story where I am, I'm, I, am i have just, like, I've traveled to Alexandria to find my wife who was, like, in hiding or something, um, when you meet up with her, they, like, make out pretty intensely, (laughs) and it's, like, this this is, this is, like, neat to, like, suddenly see this guy's, like, actual, like, personal relationships and stuff with... Like and it's done. It's done tastefully, by the way. It's not like it oh, goes okay. to like a sex scene or anything. But um... what
1: I
0: was imagining was
1: not tasteful. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. No. I was like imagining some like I don't know, I don't know weird, right, weird shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah.
0: really awkward and then like also unnatural because <laughs> it's a video game.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's done in a way that like really gives this particular protagonist in Assassin's Creed like a, a good human element and shows that he has like this loving relationship with his wife and he has this very tragic uh, backstory where it, it turns out a few hours into the game that you're trying to kill these people because they were responsible for the death of your son many years ago and you get this flashback sequence uh, which is not a new thing in Assassin's Creed games they love doing flashback sequences but this is the first time that I was ever like like this is actually well written and like emotionally impactful and I actually feel bad for this guy and his son who, who died. Um, mm-hmm. and then just stuff like the first thing I did when I got to Alexandria was like, obviously I just kind of made my way to the lighthouse of Alexandria and climbed to the top as, as you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. and the highest I building. Mean, uh-huh. Right. That's like, that that thing's gone. That thing's sunk a while back, but it's cool to, to, to see it here. I mean, I know it's a video game, but the, they, they've always been Ubisoft for, for all the flaws that Assassin's Creed has had, they, they've always done a very good job of research and trying to recreate these historical locations as faithfully as possible to the point where um there was like a secret room a few years back this is just a funny news story that was like discovered in the pyramid of giza and it turned out that like if people were making these jokes like, oh, hey, you guys, because this was about around the time of the release of Assassin's Creed Origins, and so mm-hmm. there were these jokes like, oh, hey, Ubisoft, you better patch this room in. And it turned out they already <laughs> had the room in because they had oh, done wow. a lot of research and read into this guy's writings about how he theorized this room could be in the Pyramid of Giza. Oh
1: my wow. gosh! So that's so just kind like, of
2: yeah. It was like a historian, and it... right? Right, wow. and that's kind of just one example I can think of of the level of detail that really goes into these games, and and kind of why I enjoy hanging out in them. Especially these new ones, I, I feel like are a lot more uh, playable than the older ones that were pretty clunky. Um, I I know the the one that's that people are playing right now is the the second one in the new series Odyssey, which takes place in ancient Greece, and they just launched a um uh, a series of DLC about Atlantis. So this this series uh. It, it's very grounded in history, but it also likes to, to sometimes embrace these wacky sci-fi elements like Atlantis, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited eventually to get to that point. They're very long games, so I'll, I'll be spending some more time in <laughs> Assassin's Creed Origins, but luckily I'll, I'll, I'll not be begrudgingly going through it like I did some of the other games. I've, I've mm-hmm. really been enjoying going through Assassin's Creed Origins and not having to do a bunch of repetitive like fetch quests all of the side quests are very uniquely written and they're all very interesting. Um, I guess here's just one quick example is this lady uh, was like screaming and I talked to her and she was like, my husband, he's like, he he went across the lake on a boat last night and never came back. And I was like, okay, I'll go find your husband. I should just mention, I guess your character Bayek is uh, this, he he's like a member of this sort of like, I, not 100% on the lore, but it was some sort of like, like military police sort of force that was there to like protect the pharaoh and stuff but now the pharaoh's bad and so he's off doing his own thing but people still re- recognize him as this member of this force anyway so people ask you for help and stuff and so i go across mm-hmm. the lake and i find this guy who's like really drunk and he's on an island and he's surrounded by alligators so after i clear out <laughs> the alligators and i i take him back across the boat to, to, uh across the lake on the boat to, to his to his wife um like right as we're disembarking he in his like drunkenness tells me that like this lady got him really drunk and like in like a vegas style wedding got him married to her um and so (laughs) as we were like trying to get him reunited with his who claimed to be his wife i guess um he he started asking me to like protect protect him from this lady because she was crazy and it turned out she actually was crazy because she sent these guys to come kill us both and so i had to protect him so it was just little things like that, wow. like these side quests that like you think you're going to just divert for a few minutes and get a reward and it turns out to go on for a lot longer and be more in depth than you had uh, any indication of when you first went into it.
1: Yeah, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting to hear because I really only played the first Assassin's Creed game
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, wa- I want to say I was like 13 or 14 when I was playing it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's the only reason I played it for as long as I did, because my main recollection is just doing the same side quest over and over. And yeah. I, I would
2: have <laughs> lost
0: my mind for something as interesting as what you're saying happened yeah. in this game. I mean, i like, never finished it just because I was like, I can't hide behind a hanging plant and listen to these guys talk <laughs> another time. Uh, and, and another thing you said, you were talking about flashbacks. Right. Because what I remember is, I mean, the entire game is a flashback, right? You like yeah. you upload your mind into like the Wayback Machine, and you get to, <laughs> you know, be in like, in the Near East during the Crusades,
2: right? Um, uh, th- this game is that, actually, is that still going on? Yeah, it's it's still part of the lore of Assassin's Creed is that you're uh, a modern day person who is visiting the memories of your ancestors. Um, but this game really sidelines that element because a lot of people found that element obnoxious. Um, yeah, I know, I did yeah so like origins because i think for the majority of people i think it doesn't bother me as much as most people but i think for the majority of people they play assassin's creed because they want to be a cool assassin and hang out in yeah, exactly ancient time right and they don't like so it's like if you if you have to sit through like a, a 30 minute sequence where you're this dude in the modern day in a lab or whatever it's like what like why the why the fuck am i doing this um and so yeah i in, mean if
0: your choice is to be you know <laughs> this guy with like this cool white robe and, like, a spring-loaded knife on your wrist or, like, some guy in a white hoodie. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, that's... What? what obviously,
2: what, you're going to choose. What I will say I, I do like about the modern-day sections is the the payoff is, in, in the lore, it's called the bleeding effect. So as you're exploring um, ancient, uh, you know, Venice or, or Rome or wh- wh- wherever you happen to be in whatever game you're playing, um the uh experience and like uh just all of the stuff that you're doing as this as this badass guy who's one of your ancestors um the implication is that their kind of physical properties and abilities and stuff start start to bleed into the uh the, the guy in the modern world who is visiting these people so you get this what what i think is is a pretty cool uh story that it's stretched out way too long but th- you get this story with desmond who's the modern day protagonist in the first games where over the course of four or five games he becomes this like master assassin in in real life and you get some pretty neat or some pretty interesting modern day sequences where like you're going around in like an Abstergo lab and you have like the same assassin powers you have uh, or that your ancestors would have had in the past. Um, And that's really the only reason that I I think the uh, modern day parts are all right. But I really like what Assassin's Creed Origin does, where it just kind of drops you into ancient Egypt and you uh, you play as, as Bayek, I think, for like five or six hours before you get to like a good point in the story where it kind of reveals that you're this lady who's like an archaeologist and kind of has her own portable animus and went in as Bayek for a little bit. I'm not really sure what her story is. Um, her name is Layla and you spend barely any time as, as Layla. Like if you want to spend time as Layla, you have to like... Want to and like explore her little cave and and read her notes and codecs and stuff, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. So, like, you'll have a quick conversation in there with like your this uh, bodiless voice on a radio, just kind of updating your status about what you've been doing as Baic in ancient Egypt, and then you'll just go right back in. So, it's very unobtrusive, but it still maintains that Assassin's Creed lore of using the Animus to revisit memories from the past. Um, it's just, it It really feels like a, a reboot of the series and in a very positive way that I have, have been enjoying. Let's, uh, I'm just gonna try to move on here, um, Cam, I, how do I introduce this topic?
0: So I've been kind of devising some content for a blog that I'm, that I'm gonna start
2: mm-hmm.
0: here hopefully really soon. Uh, just generally about Dungeons & Dragons, but I started researching these things that had to do with uh, in the I think it started in the early '80s. This thing called the Satanic Panic that a lot right. of I mean anybody who played D and D in those days will tell you all about it. Um, but you know, it just it was a big moral panic because there was concurrently a moral panic about Satanism just in general in the United States, and that's a that's a really interesting story even by itself because mm-hmm. people were like basically either having these psychotic episodes or uh, were just lying about being abducted and like, you know, used in rituals by these satanic cults that never never existed. Okay. Uh, but that's a that's a tangent. That's been covered in other podcasts. That's actually how I found out about it. Uh, but anyway, so at the same time, Dungeons and Dragons is getting popular. Uh, and then there was a string of Uh, suicides and like murders and this is really violent and kind of horrible things that had happened that uh, for you know whatever reason it got picked up that you know these kids were playing Dungeons and Dragons right and so that was it was basically their parents I think it was this one woman as far as I can tell I'm still working on kind of the way I'm gonna approach this story but as far as I can tell there was one woman who just could not accept that her son had I'm not really sure. I'm I don't know if anyone has diagnosed him or anything, but uh, it kind of sounded like he had schizophrenia or something, but a severe mental illness in any case.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he uh, I think he committed suicide. And his mom latched onto the fact that like he he did that because he couldn't distinguish the line between the game between Dungeons and Dragons and real life because his character had just died or something.
2: Right. So that was a conclusion that his mom drew.
0: Correct. And she was this ascendant star in the new religious right. Oh, okay. Which was, you know, at that time was this new just juggernaut in American politics. And so she, I guess, I think like started a consulting company. I'm not sure the logistics of how this happened, but she went around to police departments and to like local newspapers and everything, telling them about you know how dangerous this game is,
2: right? And how
0: you know it's gonna make your kids violent, and they're gonna you know they're gonna lose the ability to distinguish between their real life and their game and their character. Uh, and I think. As far as I can tell, it's her and this, like, really hacky uh, psychiatrist that kind of got together and I assume just made a ton of money off of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting because that psychiatrist, he got his medical license revoked for I'm not exactly sure what, but I think it was, like, sexual misconduct stuff. It's it's all about it's a crazy story. Like, the more I look into it, the, just, the wilder it gets. But anyways, that's all to say that in the 80s, this uh, this woman wrote a book called Monsters and Mazes, which is a you know thinly disguised mm. Dungeons and Dragons. Right, the kids in the book and this movie play monsters and mazes, or mazes and monsters. I think. Oh, okay. And so she writes this novel, which gets adapted into like a made-for-TV movie that stars Tom Hanks before he was famous. <laughs> which I mean, I think that's so interesting to me because Tom Hanks, by the time I come around by which I mean the time I'm born. Right. He's such a household name and he's like such a huge celebrity that it's so weird looking back on it because you don't even see him in the movie until like maybe 10 or 15 minutes in, which is like, you know, he today if this movie were made, he'd be the selling point, right? He'd be right. on screen from like boom immediately. But anyways, it's about these kids that go to college uh, and they're playing Mazes and Monsters. In college, and one of the kids gets lost in these tunnels that are nearby, near the university. And so that was based on yet another one of these news stories that the media had essentially hyped based on these, like, really, really dubious, you know, single accounts. Uh, Because there was a kid who did go missing who was playing Dungeons and Dragons at a university, but that's really where the similarities end, as far as I know, because. What happened was this kid goes missing, and he's gone for, you know, several days or a week, Mm -hmm. and his family hires this private investigator. And he, you know, he makes his way to whatever university this kid was going to, finds out that, you know, the kid was playing Dungeons & Dragons or Mazes & Monsters, as the case may be. And he also finds out that there are these tunnels, these caves. I'm not sure if they were natural caves or if they were... Like service tunnels or something underneath the university or or close to the university, and so this private eye concocts this story of this kid was larping, basically in the tunnels and got lost. And that's just so
2: I can keep my reality straight. This is this is in the book.
0: no this is this, real oh, life. this is
2: real life okay this is the real life and the version. book is
0: all yeah the book is all based on this story okay
2: gotcha and i don't
0: know that the story had been discredited by this point because it eventually was because oh, okay. they found this kid and he was hiding in his brother's house because he had just had like a mental break at college
2: right um, but it was because he was a D player they just kind of assumed he went to the tunnels
0: yeah, yeah, I'm not entirely sure where this came from. I do know that that private eye, uh, he released a book about how dangerous Dungeons and Dragons was very shortly after. He told the press about this story. So as far as I can tell, it was just a big marketing ploy. Hmm. Some which, really
1: good PR.
0: Yeah, yeah, which I mean, the older I get, the more I realize that everything really just is <laughs> a, a PR stunt or a marketing ploy to like sell right. books or something. Right, right. Um, and so, I, at the point in the movie I'm at, the kid's character just died, and he used that opportunity to suggest that uh, they play Mazes and Monsters, an evolution of the game, because he has just discovered these caves, and he wants to get, you know, Tom Hanks and the rest of the crew in there. Right. And so, I, I'm maybe like 40 minutes into the movie right now. But it's all this really weird, interconnected story in the 80s, and... I, I kind of find myself returning to this idea of, like, there wasn't the internet back then. And if there had been, you know, some savvy person on... I was going to say <laughs> Twitter, but I, there's not savvy people on Twitter. Right. Uh, but, on <laughs> so, but somebody... Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe Reddit. Um, they would have... You know put these things together and be like you know these people are lying you know don't don't trust these people but I think just the novelty of all of it you know Dungeons and Dragons had not even been around 10 years I think by then you know people hadn't kind of understood the religious right for what it was at that point uh people weren't so cynical and just they know that everything is for ads now mm-hmm. it's just it seems so far-fetched that nothing like this could happen today which I mean, I'm sure it, it could, but I, I just the mass communication and the role of the media and all of this I find really interesting. So that's hopefully something I can cover when I get around to writing, you know, these this series of pieces about it. But
2: right, yeah, it makes that's, me, that's an interesting. It makes me think of like of Twin Peaks, where it takes place in in an era that is 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 so different, and communication is so different, and people's mindsets are as well.
0: Yeah, like if one person had an iPhone, or I guess if two people right. had iPhones, <laughs> <there> would, <laughs> like, all of the, there would be nothing. You just like call or Snapchat your friend or something. <laughs> You'd solve the mystery. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. This is a complete tangent, but uh, I mean it has to do with RPGs. So this this podcast, the Adventure Zone, that like the McElroy brothers do. Mm-hmm. Where they play this game called Monster of the Week that's based on kind of those old um, sci-fi shows, or like you know oh, Supernatural yeah. and Buffy. Uh, and in fact, like Griffin McElroy, who's running the game, actually he sets it in this place in West Virginia that's near a uh, radio telescope, and you're not allowed to have. There's like really bad cell coverage and not really much radio or TV or anything there. And he says it's it's specifically so you can't just call people.
2: Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that would
0: totally deflate the game. <laughs> it's like because you know you've got it's got to be dramatic when the players right. separate and you know we're gonna go, you know investigate, you know old man Jim's bar on the west side of town, but you've got to go you know up the mountain to look at this crime scene and we it's time is of the essence so we have to do it separately. It's like if you could just be on FaceTime that whole time, <laughs> right? it like it wouldn't be it would be so meaningless that you yeah. s- that you separated it at all
2: right it's like how in game of thrones there are so many issues that could have just been solved if someone could have just picked up the phone or even like thought to maybe send a really fast raven or something
1: yes. <laughs> they didn't seem
2: to so <laughs> I, I feel uh, like it's
1: kind of oh. no go ahead i was just going to talk about how like um, I mean in, in D&D you do have like you know sending stones where you can communicate like f- across yeah, distances. Yeah you can
0: cast spells to talk to people who are far away. Oh, that's but it's good.
1: limited to like only you know so many words or like once per day or something like that so oh, you don't God. have like I don't know. I, I I guess to like I don't know do the same sort of thing to like limit the sort of like this like mass instant communication.
0: Yeah it's an interesting problem to solve especially when you're doing world building which Rebecca and I have been doing together lately is like we kind of we're devising this campaign setting sort of week by week as her players kind of explore more of it and it's (laughs) kind of I've had this twinkle in my eye for a really long time but I finally feel like I've had I have enough experience running the game to really build something worthwhile and so I'm thinking of stuff like well you know what's the point of I don't know like why why aren't people teleporting goods and stuff to you know each city why are why is ship traffic so important and you know what what are the implications of maybe there are a couple a couple people here and there being able to just send a message you know across the entire world if they really want to because you know you think about things like you know, the telegraph or just mass communication in general being like these huge pivotal moments in human history. And then the implication in Dungeons and Dragons is we, you know, if somebody spends enough time being a wizard or something, they can, (laughs) they can do all that if they really feel like it. So it's not something I've had to really reckon with, but it is, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's like, you're trying to maintain this quasi medieval, uh, world. Where people can also just, you know, they can uh, control the clouds and, you know, write something in the sky so the entire city can read a message or just something <laughs> like that, right?
1: Yeah. But I, I mean, I feel like the simple answer there is just like make it really expensive. So, like, it's too, you know, it's too resource heavy to like really do on a regular basis. Or you need to p-
2: sort of like be a certain, uh, level of experience or something to, or to, to, yeah. to have been able to, to research this or, or whatever
0: yeah yeah that's that's another kind of weird world building thing that as I've haven't really seen anybody handle it all that well or all that convincingly and I think at some point a lot of this stuff is just suspension of disbelief right is like you know we're already existing in this world where you can do magic and you can, you know, shoot a bow four times in <laughs> just several seconds, which just all these things um, that are not yeah. remotely realistic. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, if there are these people running around who can you know, cast these incredibly powerful spells, you know, society just, it wouldn't look the same. And like, I don't know how it would look. And I don't think anybody does, which is why it's such a weird space to tread. It, when you're, you know, running these things or building these worlds, but it's, it's just a, it's a weird problem. And like, even in the really high profile D&D games that are out there, I've, I've yet to see, I think, in my opinion, a really good convincing solution to these problems.
2: Right. It's, it's funny. Cause when you, when you take it into like a futuristic setting or like a sci-fi setting or whatever where kind of the concept of that is that it's way more technologically advanced um you can get a you, you can get a universe like mass effect where you're trying to communicate with this dude on the other side of the galaxy but like he's so far away that like even if you can get through to him there's like a lot of noise or whatever in his dumb little 3D hologram so right <laughs> like we we live in a, in a, like a this modern era where like c- communication is very accessible and if you go forward into like the sci-fi kind of uh realm of world building then you can kind of start to work it backwards to where communication becomes less and less accessible in a funny way
1: just like i don't know just like or like calls getting dropped across the galaxy like- right right yeah. or like did a star
2: <laughs> that- pass in front of like my signal yeah. or whatever
0: yeah yeah, somebody drive their spaceship, you know, just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. But in a way, that is so much more relatable than being able to do magic. Because, yeah. you know, it's in the spell description. It's like they hear your voice in their head. and There's nothing about, you know, quality or understand being able to understand you.
2: What is the bit nothing rate like that. Of, my, of my magic audio call?
0: Yeah, right. It's just like, I mean, it's easy just sort of on a on a very granular level to understand it's like oh you know i cast a spell and i say something and you hear the words in your head but in the macro sense of like okay so what if like one person in each of these cities can cast these spells you know that really changes the dynamic right. of the entire world then you've mm-hmm. got some
2: people who are constantly being bothered by folks who want to do facetime calls
1: yeah
0: yeah exactly exactly <laughs> It's you know are are they gonna sell their ability to you know skywrite to to ad- advertise the next like best ale or something right or like the new uh, the new blacksmith shop and be should... like put the logo up there every few hours
1: <laughs> I should do that that's fun
0: that is pretty funny that's actually a really fun aspect of world building is including these like really silly modern or you know the things that are in the modern world that you kind of take for granted like advertising being everywhere. Yeah. And just like you know well maybe you could you know if you know you're a high enough level wizard you could approach some you know savvy merchant and be like listen i've got a i've got an idea for you that i think is really going to generate a lot of a lot of traffic through your stores
1: right
2: yeah i mean like if it works in the economy of of your of your world i guess then like that's you can do a lot of things with that
0: yeah you know you you roll high enough to persuade somebody can really do anything
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> just like in real uh, life
1: yes.
0: yeah yeah i had this idea that i mean it's not gonna pop up in rebecca's game anytime soon but like what you know one of one of the political powers in in the world is like really based on the military mm-hmm. i actually found out it's called a stratocracy
2: oh okay it's is
0: like if your government constitutionally is the military wow which is super interesting. And I like, I don't recall any historical examples, I guess maybe something like Sparta. Like, what is the, what is ancient... the
2: hierarchy then? Is there like a, like a, like a Supreme general or something? Or is it like I think
0: a... so. Huh. Or it's at least like, you know, the like, like joint chiefs of right, staff like and the a, like Pentagon a here would just be kind of the, the decision makers. I'm not really sure exactly how it works, but uh, what I thought would be really funny is in that place, is if there was a really pervasive "thank you for your service" culture, like there is here, <laughs> and just like if the if the characters, you know, for whatever reason, you know, come across a, like a soldier or like an officer, which they certainly will, because if that's the entire government, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to be everywhere, right? And they, you know, end a conversation without thanking them for their service if it was like this big social faux pas, yeah. <laughs> which I just think. Sprinkling little things like that into your world, I think, is one of the more enjoyable things of world building. And I, like, I, I think players also really appreciate that sort of thing because you get so wrapped up in, you know, the swords and sorcery of it all that those, like, minutiae of real life, it really kind of grounds your character.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's like the, the just all of the—any, like, high level of, of detail— put into any of these worlds in in any medium is really what like (laughs) makes it believable or not or is the difference between a good world building and like a crummy generic medieval movie that you got jason statham to star in um yeah right (laughs) i think that's called for the king i don't know it was really bad i didn't get through it oh yeah i
0: forgot about that (laughs)
2: Yeah, very, oh, it's a very a game called for the kid. There is a That game reminds called me, for we don't have to talk King. about
0: it now, but <laughs> if I'm ever if I ever appear on the podcast again, I actually spent a lot of time playing that.
2: That's game, like a that's like a it. board game ish, right?
0: Kinda. It's like a hex crawl. Okay. And you've got your little three D people that you it's all turn based combat.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it's reminiscent of a tabletop game. I mean there are actually like dice rolls that happen. Oh, okay. I mean, it's all electronic, you know. It just tells you it's rolling dice and it shows you a number, you know, from zero to a hundred.
2: Right. But yeah, that's another one of those games that's like in my endless backlog of games that look really good. Yeah. But I, well, I still have it. Quite around so to you me, get so. it.
0: If you get it, that there is co-op. On <laughs> oh, there,
2: I'm I'm too. sitting on a copy of it. I just, I mean, I haven't oh, yeah. I haven't booted it up or anything yet. I haven't gotten around to it. So. Yeah, yeah
0: it's pretty fun. I I, I I got a solid like probably month or two of like. A decent amount of play out of it and because it's so like procedural and r- there's so many random things that happen oh cool it, e- every game feels a little different but not so different that you know you don't feel like you're learning anything or getting better so it's it's a solid game and they've, they've been they've been pretty good about releasing new content for it
2: yeah it's i'm on the steam page it says like includes all five expansions
0: Oh man, five! I think there were only four last time we played. <laughs> wow, it's been new, a while. New, but... new
2: content for you to look at. Yeah, I might have to give it a download, um, and and boot it up and jump into it and see what's going on. I have really enjoyed hearing about D and D in particular. I always love hearing about D and D, and I it's just so like, <laughs> it's there's so much lore around it, and it's so easy to follow. Even though I'm not really someone who, uh, like participates in in sessions or anything, but it's i always find it really interesting to to hear about how those uh how, how the games are are played and wacky things that go down and all sorts of stuff i just you know i like hearing stories mm-hmm. so yeah. so that's that's been re- really fun um i think that's that's all we have here yeah was...
0: I feel like i've been talking everyone's ear off about D&D, so <laughs> yeah, i think i'm to leave it there <laughs>
2: yeah cool well if you've been enjoying the show please uh feel free to share our show with the people who are in your social networks uh, you can follow us and send questions to us on twitter at hitpoint pals feel free to join the hitpoint pals discord with the link provided in the podcast description i'm travis lean i guess for uh for cam and rebecca uh this has been hitpoint pals we will see you next week